The Business Travel Podcast, brought to you by The Business Travel Magazine. Hi, my name's Beth Ferris and I'm the editor of The Business Travel Magazine and I'd like to welcome you to our latest Business Travel Podcast. Today I am checking in with Carolyn Pearson, who is CEO of Maiden Voyage. Hi, Carolyn. Hi, Beth. Great to see you. And to see you too. Where, where are you talking to us from today? I'm talking from my house in Leeds and thankfully the sun is shining. Oh, fantastic. It hasn't been shining for, we've had some terrible wet weather, haven't we, in, in August. So it's, it's, it's great that it's finally got nice again. Um, so as you know, Karen, this is our Checking In With podcast where we talk to people in the industry and get to know them a bit more than you'll see on their LinkedIn profile. So let's just start with a, a quick uh, summary of, of you. Fine. Yes, yeah, so I'm a northerner. Um, no children. Um, I live with my partner, Sandy, who's a ho- is a Scottish horse vet and our fostered cat, Coco. Oh, fantastic. A horse vet. That's a very specialist uh, job. Are you, are you both horsey people? Do you like horse? You like horses as well? Yeah, so actually, I know I won't keep a secret of it. Sandy and I met online um, and at the time I selected him because he got photographs of himself with horses and yachts, which basically matched my photographs. So um, it was it was all about, you know, friendship and connection and hobbies um, before we really explored whether or not we'd, we'd be life partners. Wow. So horses and yachts. So the whole talk about the horses, do you, do you, do you ride? Do you, own, do you own your own horses and just... Yeah, I ride. Um, and Sandy's learning now, actually. Um, I have had horses in the past, but I just, I'm just i just way too busy to do that now. So we just pay to ride and we can just hand them back at the end of the day. Um, but Sandy uh, grew up on a farm in Scotland. So they were dairy farmers and now they're beef farmers. So he also has to do large animals. And therefore, I, when I go to work with him, I could be helping him carve a cow or hold an alpaca whilst he injects it or, you know, I sometimes will accompany him to the horse racing where he's, he's maybe the um, the vet for the day. So it's really quite glamorous. Wow. So you go to you go to work with him. Is that is that allowed? <laughs> yeah, it is allowed. So if he's on call and I, you know, at a loose end at the weekend, I might just go and ride in, in the van with him. But literally a few weeks ago, he told me to pull on this calf's leg and um, and help this cow give birth. And uh, I was really scared, actually, that the calf, I might pull the calf's leg off. Um, but he assured me that I wouldn't. And, you know, we had a, a baby calf born. So, yeah, it was it was really wow. um, quite a thrilling night, really. I'm sure. And the alpaca, what was what was wrong with the alpaca? Oh, poor Tommy. So, yeah, um, he didn't make it, unfortunately, oh. but he, um, yeah, he had some some illness. And, uh, yeah, I, I meditated for Tommy the next day, but uh, unfortunately my my good health vibes didn't work and, oh. uh, and he's left this world. Poor Tommy. And, and then, so going on to the yachts, your other passion. Yeah, so we're both sailors um, and, yeah, you know, a really good holiday for me, and I'm sure we'll get on to talking about holidays, it is a sailing holiday. And uh, I'm really a blue water sailor, which means basically I like to sail where it's blue water and the sun is shining. Um, but we have also had our fair share of sailing around Anglesey in a storm as well. Have you got good sea legs, Carolyn? Um, I have acquainted myself with the bucket on occasion. Um, 
but I tend to do my research beforehand. So, I, I, you know, there's always these like sailors forums, you know, the passage between here and here is a bit rocky. Um, and I just did a rocky passage a few weeks ago. And so I really dosed up on Stugeron and ginger biscuits and, and everything else. But um, yeah, uh, it still got me. Um, but it always makes me laugh when somebody says that they never get seasick and then they end up with their head in the bucket as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm terrible, actually, but somebody actually gave me a tip to put, and it, I don't know how it worked, but it did, to put a newspaper on my stomach. I don't know, have you heard this one? <laughs> a newspaper oh, I, tried that. In, I had some I had some jeans on, I put newspapers over my stomach, and for some I was on a, just a little boat trip just off the coast of Brittany, and amazingly, it worked. And I don't know, and I've done, I have no idea what the theory is, but yeah, that, give that a go next time you're on a... <laughs> <laughs> I will do. I'm not sure how that's going to look with a bikini, but that's I'll give it a go. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> so um, let's let's crack on with the questions, and we might come back to some of these. Um, as you said, so, so, in fact, let's just let's just go straight in with the, your favourite place to go on your holiday. Where where would be your ideal trip? Um. So years and years ago, I saw a brochure, I think it was for Voyage Jules Verne or something like that. And it was, um, it was a water bungalow in Tahiti. And Tahiti has been on my bucket list for a really long time. And uh, it was might be my screensaver on my phone and on my laptop. And I have a vision board. And so I had all these pictures, for, you know, cut out of uh, holiday brochures of Tahiti. And it's all I talked about. It's all I thought about. My passwords were Tahiti and all of that. And um, a couple of years ago, I got divorced and out of my settlement, I put some money aside to book a dream solo trip to Tahiti. Um, and so I flew out by myself and um, booked into a lovely hotel, got on a yacht, sailed around the islands of Tahiti and Bora Bora. Um, on your, on and your own? On my own, yes. Wow. And I have to say, um, it was, you know, it was it was so life affirming and, and because it'd been a dream that I never really knew if I would achieve because it's not the cheapest of destinations or the nearest of destinations that now, you know, I've got this photo book of, um, of my time there is that if I ever have any doubts about whether or not I can do anything or any dreams that I can make true, I know that I can because I did that trip. Wow. So how long were you on your own? What were you sailing for on your own? Um, so I was gone in total for three weeks and I was about 10 days on the yacht and um, there were other people on the yacht, although I didn't really speak English the whole time I was there because, you know, they speak French and there was a couple of Germans on the boat. Um, so it really was just so empowering and so liberating and just so stunningly beautiful. Did you have a good book as well? I, you know what I read? It was um, the woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And she's got a book. I think it's called something like Big Magic. And it's about inspiration and how ideas find you rather than you come up with ideas. And, um, and I thought that's probably really true because who in the right mind would come up with an idea for a social network to connect female business travellers? And I thought that idea was probably milling around for ages. And they thought, you're stupid enough to try this. I'm going to glue on to you. So I, I did buy into that, actually. <laughs> so you've done Tahiti. Is there anywhere else? That, where's next? Is there anywhere else on your bucket list that 
you would love. Yeah, so I, I do. I do have a sort of um, habit of ticking off the bucket list. I think the other ones that I've done that were definitely up there were Alaska. So I spent a lot of time, not a lot, a lot of time, but I did I covered a lot of ground in Alaska. Um, St. Petersburg has been on there as well. I've ticked that one off. Istanbul was on there. So probably the next one will be Japan. Um, so I want to see Tokyo and I want to go and see the snow monkeys and, and all of that good stuff. And that probably would have been the one that I would have been saving up for had COVID not hit. Did you watch the Olympics? Bits and bobs. I have to say I'm not particularly sporty, as oh. will probably come out. <laughs> I think it, I mean, obviously there was a glimpse of, of Tokyo but I think they would be inspiring a lot of people to go out there so we I was lucky enough to go to the ABTA convention there a few years ago and it is an amazing oh. place so yeah I would definitely recommend it um so let's get down to other questions what's your most annoying habit Carolyn oh my god so I mean I've got loads of annoying habits but probably the one that now that I've realized that I've got this habit is really obvious and I don't know if this is what happens to people when they get to a certain age, but when, and I don't think I do it in business, but if any of my business friends say, actually, you do do that, I will be mortified, is that when somebody says something, who you know, like Sandy, for example, he might say, I've got the keys. I burst into song and start going, I got the secret. <laughs> and and then I realized that we do it all the time and it's just so embarrassing and we just can't stop doing it. And he does it as well now. <laughs> in public as well or just in, just in the home? Yeah, just wherever we are. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it is an old person's thing. So I'm going to try and stop doing that. Now. <laughs> <laughs> if, any of, if any of Carolyn's work colleagues are listening, in, I'd like to know whether or not she does it in the workplace as well. Um, what's one thing people would be surprised to know about you? Well, um, there's a couple. One is really embarrassing. So let's start with a not so embarrassing one, which is having lived in Holland for six years, um, I still can't ride a bike. Um, <laughs> and in fact, on Saturday, I'm going to an adult's learn to ride a bike course for two hours. So if next time you see me, I'm in a full body plaster, then you know exactly what happened. Wow. What, what is it about riding a bike that you can't master? Did you not ride a bike as a child? No, I didn't. And um, yeah, my, my parents didn't teach me for some reason. And I think it's possibly because we live near a main road or, or that was their excuse anyway. Um, and I did buy one in Holland, but it was too big. Um, and so I could sort of like go in a straight line, but turning corners or going up a slight hill or down a slight hill just scared the life out of me. And my rationale is that a horse naturally stands up. They've got a leg at each corner, so they don't fall over that often, whereas a bike does. Um, and then also I just and I know that horse riding is a really dangerous sport, but you also really you know see these um, accidents that happen to cyclists as well. So. You know, I, I really, I have got to this have, age and I haven't learned. Do you have a fear, I won't give it a go. fear of, cycle, of cycling, do you think? Has it, become, has it become a fear, not just a, you actually... Yeah, and I think, you know, when we lived in Holland, my ex-husband, he had a bike. And I remember once him saying, oh, jump on the back, you know, like all these gorgeous, you know, um, Dutch girls do. They sit on the back very gracefully. 
Um, and we would, we'd been sunbathing by the lake and he said, oh, come on, you know, let's go back home. I'll give you a backy. And um, so he got the bike up and he was on it. And I just ran at it like um, a hippopotamus and launched myself at it. And we both just ended up flat on the floor with a bike on top of us. And that really hurt. <laughs> What's, that's not the embarrassing one. What is the embarrassing one? <laughs> <laughs> so years years ago, when I was in my early 20s, I would say yes to anything. And thank God this is before the internet. And um, I was asked to, for a fee, I might add, as a very entrepreneurial, I was asked to take a bath on Turf Moor, um, so Burnley Football Club, at half time um, for a local plumbing merchants. And they were, it was a promotional thing. I think they were a sponsor at the time, James Hargreaves. And, um, and they basically asked me to walk onto the pitch at half time and get into a bath and pull a, a raffle ticket out for a prize. Um, now, I, you know, I did have something on. I had a bikini on. Um, but uh, you can imagine the, um, the noise from the crowd. And it wasn't polite. Um, and I remember at the time I was working at Smith and Nephew. I think I was a post girl or something. And one of the guys from the accounts department had been at that match and he was mortified it, for me. He said it was just so embarrassing. And, you know, I think he needed therapy more than I did after I did that. <laughs> Do you have any photographs of that, Carolyn? I do, I do, but they, uh, yeah, they're not online. Luckily, before the days of Instagram and and Facebook, yeah. Uh Oh my goodness! So, what um, what is your most treasured possession? So, my most treasured possession is a pearl from Tahiti. Um, But on my last day, um, I have to say, one of the pictures that was on my screensaver when I was on the yacht, I said to the skipper do you know where this this place is? And it's a beautiful idyllic sort of sandy beach with a rock and a palm tree. And he said, oh yeah, I know where that is. It's at the Intercontinental uh, on Tahiti. So on my last day, I got all dressed up and I went there um, and I got a photograph of that place that I'd been, you know, on all my screensavers for about 10 years. And at the Intercontinental, they've got this uh, posh um, jewellery shop where they sell local pearls. And, uh, and I went in and it was such a special day. And the, the guy in the pearl shop, um, you know, he, he persuaded me to buy a green one that matches my eyes. And, um, and he said, has Tahiti been good to you? And I just burst into tears. And he thought I was sad, but I was just so inspired by being there. Um, that, um, yeah, that, you know, I bought the pearl and I've got it and I wear it on special occasions. But yeah, that's that's the one thing that, you know, for, if I go on holiday, I hide it really well in case the house gets broken yeah. into. No, definitely. So do you do you think that you maybe you and Sandy might go back to Tahiti together one day? Or, or I'm not so sure. You'll ruin your experience of it and your memories of it, do you think? I think he might, not not to put Sandy down at all. He's a very good travelling companion. But I do think, and, and I'm sure you've got other people who identify with this, that when you have wanderlust, um, a place calls you. Um, and I feel like my relationship with Tahiti is really special. And that's why I didn't really feel the need to take anybody with me. Not, you know, I mean, lots of friends, you know, either couldn't afford it or the time didn't work or they didn't like sailing. So I asked a couple of people, but at the end of the day, um, 
I just if it if if I get that call from a place, I don't need to be there with anybody else. And and I think you know if you said where where would you like to go back to, I probably wouldn't say that because it was such a special trip. Yeah, definitely. So when you so said you were there on your own for three weeks, did you eat in restaurants and and in hotels on your own? And how did you find that? I've done I've done that quite a lot being a journalist over the years. How did, yeah. and actually I did you know I got used to it and I quite enjoyed it in some ways, but. People often would, you know, think felt they had to invite me to sit with them in restaurants. Did you did you have that when you were in Tahiti? People sort of felt pity, pity for you and said, come and join us. And you, and you think, I don't want to. And you feel like you have to because they've invited you. Uh, I think the French the French are probably less sociable, so I, I didn't get invited, which thankfully. Um, but no, I really enjoyed because then also you can just eat at your own pace. You can look about, you know, you can take it all in the smells, you know, the animals, the birds, all of that. Um, speak to the you know the local waiters and things, and you know practice my French. And so um, no, I, I just I just loved every minute of it. There wasn't there wasn't a part of it that I didn't like at all. And they even had me swimming with sharks and with stingrays and and stuff off the yacht. And uh, I think the only downside of travelling by yourself is that um, you know when you are swimming with sharks there's nobody there who's going to take a photograph so I've got no photographic evidence that I did that or um nobody to put sun cream on your back because I did feel a bit of a burden keep asking the same people um but they were the key things that you know were a bit inconvenient and how was swimming with sharks it was it was fine it was quite exciting you know at one point there was probably about 12 or 16 just circling around they were just sort of black I think black tip reef sharks so they weren't they, I don't think they, they generally bite humans they were you know fairly big but it was just so nice to be amongst them and the water was so warm and then another day we swam with lemon sharks which are slightly bigger and um, you know they swim a lot deeper and um, so that was a little bit scary because also the, the, the waves were quite choppy and we had to swim quite a long way to get to them um, but again you could still see them with a snorkel and mask. Wow. So if you can swim with sharks and ride a horse, I think you can definitely master the riding the bike this week. <laughs> I wonder, Let's I see how you get on. So um, what did you do to get through the lockdown, Carolyn? Has it been tough? Um, yeah, it was tough. Um, but because uh, of business was dead, so I was bored and, and I invented this term. I felt intellectually impotent. Um, I felt I was no use to the world and uh, therefore I went and did lots of courses. Um, so I got myself, there's um, an app um, called Tandem. So I got myself um, a language partner. So I speak fluent Dutch and uh, I found someone who spoke French. And so we just do half and half, half an hour Dutch, half an hour French. Turned out that she's in Leeds, uh, which, you know, the, the, the app is worldwide, but I found somebody in Leeds. So that was good. Um, I did a I did a psychic awareness course with the College of Psychic Studies, but um, that probably was my least favourite course. Um, I did stand up comedy with um, Laugh at Leeds, so we did that on on Zoom, um, and then I signed up for a course doing neuroscience at Harvard. Um, and in my mind, it was like you know psycho babble, you know sussing people out. Why do we do things? And I wasn't that academically great at school. Anyway, it turned out to be um, biochemistry, maths, and all these horrific formulas. Um, and because I did it online, I thought, well, if I fail the exam, I'll just go back, I'll just pay, and I'll keep doing it till I pass it. And then I was halfway through the exam, and then it, 
it suddenly occurred to me that if I failed the exam, I'd have to go back and do all the coursework assessments that I've been doing for the last 10 weeks as well. So then I, I thought, I, I can't fail this exam. Um, so that was really scary because it was way beyond my, what I thought was my intellectual capacity. Um, anyway, I did pass it, but um, I'm not going to do the other two modules until winter because I'm having no. far too much fun being outside at the moment. <laughs> what, what, will they qualify, will they qualify you to do anything at the end? Is there anything? No, just, just, just do no, it. No, it's just, um, I mean, you could, you could, you know, keep collecting the modules and eventually you might be doing some, you know, it might be something. But I have, I have had on my eye on um, a course at King's College London, which is a master's in um, neuroscience and I um, can't remember what else it was, but actually I did an MBA part-time years ago and it is all consuming. And actually having done these modules, because I'm a very diligent student that I just thought, well, I just won't have any downtime because you're constantly thinking about your assignment or you've got to get, you know, to get back to log on to a lecture or something. And I don't really think that that's the kind of life I want at the moment. No, wow! I'm in, I'm in big, big admiration for you. Actually, listening to all of this, I feel like I need to do something. Should have done something more with my lockdown, other than walk the dog. Um, who's been your best boss, Carolyn, over the years? Um, so I've, I've had two really good bosses, um, two guys, and probably the first one is a guy called Jos Zaywald, um, and he was the finance director at um, KLM City Hopper. And he was amazing. And um, and he knew nothing about IT, which was great because I was running the technology department. So at the end of the day, I had to be really autonomous and the book had to stop with me. But he was a brilliant sounding board. So I would go into the office and say, I've got this problem. I don't know what to do. And I'd draw it on his whiteboard and it just asked the right questions. And I would come up with the answer. Um, so he was brilliant. But also it was great fun. I mean, I remember one time that he he threw a jug of two litres of water um, at what he thought was the HR director. But unfortunately, I was stood in front of the HR director sideways on um, and I got the full brunt of two litres of water. And my dry profile was then, you know, um, on the shirt of the HR director. And unfortunately, it was just before a board meeting. Um, and our chief exec at the time, a lady called Elfrica, was known to be quite feisty. Um, and so I had to sit in a board meeting, literally with dripping wet hair, trying to dry it with my hands um, before I left the meeting. Um, and then when I went out, Yossa's parting shot was, next time you come to the board meeting, could you do something with your hair? Um, so we had so much fun. Um, why, but sadly, can I just ask, why was he throwing water at the HR? Why was he wanting to throw water at the HR director in the first place? Well, I think, well, basically, the HR director recruited me in a game of knock and run. We went to collect him for the board meeting um, and he had sort of a, a, win a glass window to his office. And uh, but there was, it was a half window. So he, he knocked on his door and then he made us hide under the, the half window. And then the third time we knocked on, or I didn't, he, he knocked on the door and then Yoss opened the door and threw the jug of water and I just got completely, <laughs> completely drenched. <laughs> and who's your other best boss? You said there was, there was two. There was two, but I have to oh, say, sadly, oh. Yoss um, did pass away a couple of years ago oh. um, of lung cancer. Oh, um, and I, I didn't I get to know his family well, so I was there. Um, and, you know, we, we were in touch right up until the end. But that was really sad you oh. know, that he's no longer um, of this world. Oh, that's sad. 
Yeah, um, but my other boss is a guy called Mark Chaplin, who will be very embarrassed to be named, but he was my boss at ITV. Um, and he was the guy that I came into work following a business trip and said, um, I've come up with this idea. Um, I want to create a social network for female business travellers. And he said, well, why don't you do it? You know, as long as there's no conflict of interest, let HR know what you're up to and stuff. And, um, you know, crack on. I think it's great. And uh, and he was just, again, it was he actually did know his stuff. He, you know, he used to build newsrooms, you know, for TV channels. So he was very, very um, clever in his field. And, and he's still alive. So talk about him in the past tense because he's not my boss anymore. Um, but um, but Mark, again, was really empowering. And, um, you know, it sort of left me to get on with it. But it was really supportive, didn't never micromanaged. And um, I remember being seconded to what was Project Kangaroo at the time, which was a co um, collaboration between BBC, ITV and, and Channel 4. And it was really about, you know, allowing you to stretch yourself and, you know, try new things just because they wanted to keep good talent in the company. Excellent. And do you do you think you're a good boss? Um, you better ask people who've worked for me. I, I mean, I do have some people who say that I was their best boss ever. Um, and some people probably think I'm an utter troll. I think if people work for me, what they're going to get is, and, and actually Yoss did say that my biggest strength is my biggest downfall, which is that I can be quite relentless and therefore I could burn myself out or burn people around out because I, you know, I think so fast or I do a million things. But then people who do work for me will get, you know, mischief, naughtiness, fun, um, you know, outrageous things, you know, bits of stories and things. So it's it's not it's definitely not boring. No, definitely not. I can tell that just from just from chatting you to, to, to you today. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been really fascinating. Um, as I said, I'm very much inspired by what you've been talking about. I'm going to go and sign up for some courses straight away. <laughs> <laughs> with my weekends um i wish you could do a lockdown all over again now so i can actually do something um thank you so much again and um and, and see you very soon in, in person i hope take care me too thanks Beth. thank you bye the business travel podcast brought to you by the business travel magazine